Hello and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. Ken, welcome back. Seth, how you doing? I am doing okay. Are you? Doing okay, yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's... It's um, we're, we're recording these, of course, uh, a little bit before um, when these get released, and, and it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> it's cold out. You and I both, for uh, maybe listeners don't know, but you and I both are based around the Portland, Maine area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I mean, I grew up in Georgia and lived in California and lived, you know, in Texas and lived in, in England and Boston, like all over. But I've never lived someplace with real, well, before I moved to New England, like I never lived any place with real winter. Right. And uh, it's an experience. Yeah. That, Welcome uh, to Maine. Yeah. <laughs> I was in my forties before I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I need I need different kinds of clothes. Like this is yeah. this is uh, we're we're just talking about the it's, fact that it's gonna get into the the negatives. Negatives. It's 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 not just clothes, it's like a mindset. You have yeah. to like you have to just embrace the uncomfortable in a way. Well and fortunately you know, I like being outdoors and hiking and, and skiing and, and doing other things. So, which is good because, like to your point, you, you winters are long, yeah. and you have to sort of embrace it in order to maintain your sanity. Yeah, if you're if you're a, an indoor person, it's not the right place to be because no. it can get very depressing. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, like I said, like we we record these episodes in advance, so I know this will probably come out in, in springtime, and I, I can only look forward to it and anticipate that that time or the mud season. Here yeah, it's not really. There's no spring. <laughs> it's just there's mud. no spring. It's just mud. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm excited to talk about our topic today. I'm I think it's I think it's like it's a little different, right? So so the the theme of subversive mm-hmm. leadership. This is probably, I think, not so much specifically about how to be a subversive leader, but this is something, it's a very subversive topic, Yeah. right? Like, how do I become a leader? How do I become, yeah. you know, how do I reach some sort of pinnacle? How do I reach some sort of mountaintop? How do I get there? I think, I, I, yeah, I, I was really thinking about this one, too, since our last conversation, because, I don't know, I think when you grow up, like when you're young, when you're you're going to college, you're thinking about getting into the career path, you know, you think that, well, I'm going to go do the thing. I'm going to go be an engineer. Right. You know, I'm going to be a junior engineer. I'm going to be an apprentice. I'm going to be a junior engineer. I'm going to I'm going to be an engineer, a senior engineer. I'm going to manage engineers. And I'm going to lead an engineering department. Like it's just this this linear ladder that you climb that is a logical path. and and don't get me wrong, I think sometimes for some people that's probably true. I just don't know any of those people. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think I think that uh, I think when I look at the people that I meet who do interesting work, and I, and I don't just mean like I don't mean like like in some sort of obscure way. Like they're they're like working on mm. really big projects. They're doing like how did you get here? And every yeah. time I ask, I always ask that question. Like how did you get here? And they tell this story. 
whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they've started some company, or whether they're, um, you know, they're just sort of reached some sort of level in a company, them, you know, that's an established company. How'd you get here? It's rarely a straight path. It's rarely just. I became an engineer. <laughs> I was an engineer for a certain number of years, and then I got promoted, and then this thing happened. It's not. It's not a ladder like we think of. It's not. It's not this vertical thing that you climb. Often, I mean, I think you know. Again, there's probably there's probably people that do that. Oh, uh, academics. Yeah, I think I, I think academia is the one place where it is, in maybe healthcare, right? It's like the one place where it is just. Well, healthcare like, is what I was thinking of because you know, for I, I've mentioned before, my father was a doctor, and you know, I know that he was a he was a general practitioner, and he was a surgeon, and he became chief of surgery. Like it was a very linear thing that you did, and I think that there are definitely those areas, but I think increasingly in our today's world and our knowledge worker world and our you know digital world um it's much more matrix than that yeah and i think that's interesting actually and like you said i think that the most the people doing the most interesting work are those that have been the most open yes to that. i think there's a uh, just using the healthcare for an example mm. uh i remember talking to a friend who um he he's a radiologist, so he's a he's a doctor, a very very good radiologist, and I asked him. I said, uh, so you know, what was I just was like curious about like you know, so were you just pre med in college? And he said, no, actually, I majored in English. And I said, why did you major in English? Like, what was that thinking? And he's like, well, my thinking was, I knew I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> I knew that like I could take the pre-med classes, you know, I could do that even after college. Like it was easy. Like it wasn't like he wasn't like worried about becoming a doctor. And what he said was is like so much about being a doctor and the kind of doctor I wanted to be was about communication and being able to write clearly. And he said I wanted to be able to write. And and as a radiologist, you have to tell a ton of writing cuz yeah. you know, you're looking at film and you're or looking at digital film and like you're trying to like explain it. And he said it was the greatest decision, you know, in his preparation, which is unusual. That's right? very unusual. It's right? very, very unusual. I think it's more usual um, for you know. I work in IT. I work in technology, and actually, what's and I don't have I don't have data to back this up. I have anecdotes to back this up. Uh, I would love to see some data to back this up, mm. but in my experience in working in technology, maybe fifty percent of people, maybe. Like that might be even a stretch. Fifty percent of people I work with, specifically in the technology field, have a background in computer science or computer engineering. Oh, that's so fascinating! Like they've studied, you know, computer science, computer engineering. That's so interesting. Like so many people that I work with, and and you can you can you can see it. You can explain it once you start to kind of unpack it. You know, if you come into project management or uh, testing. Or you know some big business transformation like a big big ERP project or whatever you know they might come in it from finance they might come in from logistics but they might have an aptitude for technology and so they're tapped on the shoulder to say hey we're going to run this project where we're going to transform our supply chain would you like to be part of the working yeah. with the technology team and then they kind of fall into it and and. Uh, you know, it's it's great. I mean, it's great. Like, uh, it's absolutely wonderful to bring that diversity of experience in. But I think this is this, this openness to, okay, sure, I'll try that. Right. And then, oh, my gosh, they suddenly now they're in IT. Now they're in this digital field. Right. And they build a career 
in a completely different direction from what they had intended. Okay, so there's a there's a thing we want to name about these people mm. is that they are most likely they're exceptional at this skill. Like mm. they they didn't they weren't handed this thing because you know, look, we got to, you know, he's pushing a broom or she's pushing a broom around the room and like we got to figure out what to do with this person and like let's let's put him in charge of the system. Like there's some some either it's an ambition that they had internally or the the way their mind works or they've shown some aptitude and you empowered them to do that thing and they were willing to take the risk. Oh, that's the thing. I think that willingness to take the risk. And I, that's that's the thing I really want to talk about in in our conversation is this openness to taking that risk and taking a step in a different direction. I mean, that's scary. Oh, so scary. Right? But I think that this is what some of the, like, like you said, the people doing the most interesting work are these people that have taken this different direction. So, for example, you know, I really wanted to invest in change management for our organization. That uh-huh. was a thing that I wanted to invest in. And we actually went out and found a marketer. Like somebody was experienced in marketing yep. to come work in IT because change management is about helping people understand what's in it for them and telling stories. Change management, just to be clear, for you, change management was internal. This was, was an internally facing, yeah. And, and, when, you're, and when, you're, when you're in IT, there's a lot of change every time. Our job is change. Right. Our job in right. IT, in this digital world is to, and I don't think it's limited to IT, but I think this is a very common challenge for many organizations these days, is our job is to introduce change. We want to change the way we did it. We talked about this a couple times, but we want to change the way, we don't want to do it the way we've always done it. We want to grow, we want to scale, we want to do it automated, we want to like, we want to move the cheese, right, in order to get different results. Well, that requires people to change. Uh, as technologists, we're not always good at the people part of the change. We're good at the digital part of the change. And so we realized we needed somebody that actually had the people skills. And where do you find those? Well, that's more marketing or HR. Before you, before you say, yes, but before you go there, what typically would someone have hired for a change management role? Like what would that have been if you, if you went really conventional and you were like, we want somebody to help us. Oh, yeah. We actually had this conversation as we went through this process. Uh, I had this conversation with my team because our, our typical answer would have been, well, let's hire somebody that understands the technology. Right. Right. But I said, but, 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 we, but we, need, we need somebody who's an engineer. We need somebody who has a computer science degree. Right. Because how are you going to be able to explain the technology and the change unless you understand the technology? It's like, well, wait. Actually, no. What we need is somebody that understands the people. Right. Not the technology. We, we, we understand the technology. We already have that. Right. What we're missing is somebody that actually understands the people side of this and the story side of this. Okay. This is such a good example because mm. um, there's a lot of risk here. You, you and your team were saying this is actually a vulnerability for us. Yeah. Like, like we get the technology piece. I mean, yes. Everybody wants to pile on their strengths. Like it's, you know, it'd be great if we had somebody who was even better at this or somebody who was specialized in this one area, right? Like this specialization, that's the academia world. Like we need somebody who's an expert in this particular region of the world and this particular yep. like, you know, type of political science. Like, yeah, fine. But you're like, actually, it's the people part 
that we struggle with. Right. It's the people part that gives us the biggest headache. I think, I think, oh, I love the way you frame that too. It's like the, the, <laughs> the safe, the, what feels safe yeah. is to pile on the specialty. Is to say, we're, we need to, well, we're, we're strong at this, but we need to get stronger. And so I want to hire a, more of an expert. Like we're already good, got good experts, but we want to hire a more expert person to do this. Right. And in this case, what we were saying, and this is where I love this kind of uh, thinking and openness towards, no, let's actually pull in some diverse perspective here. Because it's not that we need to get stronger at the things we're strong at. It's that we need complementary skills to the things we're strong at. We need to, we're, we're weak in this area, and we need to complement what we're already strong at with some different skills. Right. And the particular place that you're weak was a particular source of pain for the company, and it, and it, and I don't mean that like it was a your problem that it was just it's just the no it's just a problem it's like I mean I might even if if I I might be a line of business that actually asks for this technology that you're going to deliver, mm. but I also might resist <laughs> all yeah, the things right. I have to do in order to actually use the technology effectively. And you you just talked about like okay we wanted to we want to transform I'm gonna I'm gonna use this language we want to transform a marketing person. Mm-hmm into a change manage an IT change management person mm-hmm. someone who's going to help us communicate how this technology is going to help these these different internal parts of the business perform better yeah and what that meant for us was and and I want to talk about both sides of this but what that meant for us was as a leadership team we had to be comfortable with saying oh yeah. we don't have that thing we need to go find that thing, and that thing doesn't look like us. Right. And so we need to create a path for somebody to come in from the from a different direction, from a different skill set, from a different you know. Uh, it, it's not a linear thing. We're not. We're, we can't. This is not a skill set we select for in development and technology, et cetera. We need to go find that and bring that in. And that is that's non-linear. That's that's right. Like we need to go reach across the. The organization and say who do right. we who do we know that we could do this, um, and think differently about what we needed to complement our skills with. Yeah, and not look for. I mean, th- I think this is an important thing. Not look for who has who has an advanced degree in change management. Right. 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 Like like the thing that you were looking for. You know, maybe it exists. I don't know. Maybe in project management, there's some like special problem. You know, especially, but like. You're like, I wanted to look for somebody. I wanted to look for the thing, the person who had the skills that we needed, and I didn't really care what the title was. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've seen, I've seen this in my career, is I've seen leaders who hire people that look just like them. That's their that's their bias. Oh, hundred percent bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hire people that look yeah. just like me. Like I know what you know. I know what I've done to get here. And it's been successful, so I'm going to hire people that look just like me. And I've seen that. I've even seen that, like, you know, literally look just like them. Like, you know, really. And that's that's kind of a whole different set of biases that people yeah. need to be aware of. <laughs> that's but, a whole other thing. Yeah. But, you know, that's, I think, when you're a leader and you're thinking about, like, oh, well, I want to hire people. And don't get me wrong. Like, if you need a, a specialized Java developer or a data engineer or things, like, you need to hire those skills. But I think that it's too easy to fall into the trap. Yeah of hiring people that look just like you and not thinking about, and I, I was very deliberate in using the word complementary skills. Yeah. Things that complete your team that could be very, probably are very different from your own skills. If you hire people just like 
that look just like you, you're going to get a bunch of people that say the same things you would. Yeah, there's oh. no there's no ver- variety in that, or no no um, diversity in that thought. Yeah, no. Number one, you're going to get the solutions you would have thought of anyway, right. and you're going to get more capacity. Because you're not going to get anything different. It's right. an echo room. And two, how dull is that? Yeah, <laughs> it's dull. But I'm going to tell you something. It is. It, it, it there is a there is a level of comfort. You know, there. Th- this is why people. I mean, this is totally my opinion. Okay, mm. you don't have to agree with me, but this is why I think companies pay millions of dollars for consulting firms like McKinsey or whatever. Like, oh yeah, you know, because it's like we believe this to be true. Here's five million dollars. Do a bunch of research and tell us we're right. Yeah, if you, I, there's a joke about you know those kind of consultants are the ones that you pay to come in and borrow your watch to tell you what time it is. Yeah, and <laughs> and like I'm, we're being like kind of mean, but like at the same time, like. I think that there's so such comfort in that, you know, and 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 this just like there's such comfort in the expert, right? You used that word a yeah. couple minutes ago, and I've been thinking about how we, as a culture right now, have really defaulted to the what I consider like the fantasy that there's an expert for everything, mm. and that once somebody is an expert in one thing. They're then now experts in everything, right? Right. So like you know they'll they'll be like a a, a PhD uh, molecular biologist, you know, who got a Nobel Prize and is on like a talk show and is being asked about like world affairs, right? Human and, rights, you know, human like, rights, and yeah. that person is just like you know waxing philosophic about human rights. It's like yeah, that's an opinion, right? <laughs> but it's you know, and 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 I think that that. Getting back to our point about the straight line versus the crooked mile or whatever you yeah. want to call it, we believe on some level that if we're not an expert, then we have no value. Yes. Oh, so that's a great segue to what I wanted to get to, which is I want to flip it because I talked about what we have to do as leaders to create those paths and opportunities and use the example, you know, and to be open mm. to bringing people in a different direction. Mm. But as individuals, we have to think about our own career paths yeah. and be open to this and think about what does that take and how scary is it? Like, you know, because you believe you have to be an expert in a thing. And so I'll keep using this example. Brought in a change management leader who was from marketing, didn't understand the technology. How scary and vulnerable is that moment where she comes in and she's like, well, I don't understand this technology. I need you to explain it to me so I can translate it to the people. Yeah. Right, and she's stepping out of her comfort zone and saying, well, I've done marketing and demand generation and content creation and these kind of things. Now I'm in a world of technology. Uh, this is different, right? Yeah. This is a different thing. And you know, but being, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. Yeah. So I can do this communication part, but I need, I need to rely on the expertise of the organization. How uncomfortable is that? Yeah. You know, how unwilling. So, and I've done this. I've done this in my own career. Uh, and this is, and, and again, I want to build to a point here, but the, there was a point in time where in my, I was, I don't know, mid-level manager and I aspired to be a senior manager, senior leader. Can you, can you give everybody like an age? Like what, how old were you? Yeah. So I, like I was in my thirties, probably like mid thirties. And I knew that I wanted to get to the C-suite and be an executive. That leader. was an ambition. It was an ambition. And, and you were, you were in IT then. I was in IT. And I was working at a pharma company, a large pharma company. 
And I have this process that I go through at least once a year, usually between Christmas and New Year's. I actually sit down and I reflect. I'm, I'm very methodical about this. Mm. I, I, I love that it. you have these like processes, <laughs> these systems that you put into place. It's so great. It helps me just like I, I have to do it. Otherwise, yeah. I won't do it. So right. like I have to have like a, a checklist. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, I have this process where usually I take the, the holidays off. And it's, it's a time of reflection. Right. In many companies, in my companies, it's always been the time when you're writing your self-assessment. You're thinking yeah, about yeah, the new yeah. year and goals. But part of my process is I think about, okay, so I have this long-term ambition. Am I set up to achieve it? Mm. Mm. And that was a time in my career where I had responsibility for hundreds of employees, shared technology services, kind of a lot of back office technology services, enterprise uh-huh. shared services, I think we called it. And, um, but I knew what I did not have was any real experience with commercial or marketing. Mm. Uh, I just talked about marketing. Um, I knew I didn't, I didn't have that experience. And I'd always avoided that experience because I didn't like sales guys. Yeah. And I, sales, sales guys, you know, had that, I don't know, used car salesman kind of stereotype for me yeah. in, in my head. And I was like, oh, it's, but, but I knew if I was like, oh my God, but I'll never be in the C-suite if I don't understand sales. Right. I'll never be able to get there if I don't understand revenue and revenue generation and revenue driving. And so I actually raised my hand and I said, this is what I have to do. I have to give up what I'm doing mm. and go do something else. Oof. Oof. Wait, how did you, what do you mean by that? I had to give up. So I had, again, responsibility for hundreds of people and running, you know, large shared services and ERP and inventory and all this crap and document management and whatever, clinical, you know, uh, systems. And I had to volunteer. I said, we're about to launch a new product. Hmm. Um, and I need to go be part of that and learn how to do it. Huh. And so I went from a team of, I don't know, 400 people to 35 people. Wow. And... You know, it was it was actually one of the most exciting things I've ever done and the most rewarding things I've ever done was to lean in and say, I need to be close to the strategy for launching a new product and I need to understand what it takes to go to market with this. I need to understand. I, and I will tell you right now, I never would have gotten into, at least on my path, I never would have gotten the subsequent opportunities I had if I hadn't have done that. And it was so terrifying. So, so let's just let's just make sure we get the full context here. By the way, let me just let me be clear. There was no promotion involved. Right, right, right. I there wasn't was, I wasn't getting a new title. There are no carrots. Matter of fact, there was there just there's only risk. There, yeah, there's there were only no risk. carrots. There was only risk for me. Right, and it was uncomfortable. Yes. So, uh, so for everyone who's listening, you know, they I imagine those of you who who work in the corporate world, you probably have planned out in your mind the 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 latter right you probably are thinking all right i'm a senior manager now or i'm a manager i'll become a senior manager then i'll become a director like you have like some like yeah. idea in your mind and you sort of see this path but i bet you that when you look up that ladder you see some obstacle you see something that's like oh this ladder only goes to this floor right mm-hmm. like you see some kind like that's sort of what you described to me is like you you looked up and you were like oh like i'm only going to be on you know the third floor for the rest of my life 
if yeah. I don't do something different. So you had to get off the ladder. Yeah. You had to get off the ladder. You had to give up that whole story you had about yourself. And you had to say, like, I'm going to do this other thing that I don't even know if I can do. You yeah. believed in yourself. Yeah, no, I, I had some reasonable, you know, trust in myself to learn. And, and you were curious. And was curious and, you know, asked a lot of questions and relied on the people around me. I had to ask a lot of questions. Well, I think that, I think in there, okay, so being curious for one. Mm. Asking for help, asking questions, right? Like that's part of the curiosity, but also like being willing to not be the expert allows you to learn so much more. When you walk into a space and you think you're supposed to know everything, you don't learn a lot. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Yeah, this is this is the key. And again, we've we've circled around this a number of times, right, in our conversations. But I had to just put my ego aside and just say, I'm not the expert. I have some expertise. Yeah. I have some relative uh, associated expertise, yeah, but not your expertise. Right. And I need you to help me, like contribute better, contribute right. more, right. lead this, do this, change it. Um, and it was really, again, it was one of the most rewarding. And by the way, all my stereotypes I had in my head about, like, you know, why I was not going to work, enjoy this work, oh, all wrong. Right, completely changed my perspective on, you know, being customer facing and commercial. Pro- probably learned stuff about yourself. In that process, I absolutely learned stuff about myself. Yeah, yeah. I actually learned that I was actually pretty good at that thing, yeah, which surprised me. And you know, it really did open up for pe- all kind of new opportunities. For people who are listening to this podcast for the first time, this is mm-hmm. the first time they've heard it. Can you remind everybody how, like, you're you're a CIO, you're you're a chief executive. Mm. Did you major in that in college? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, for those of you that have listened to previous episodes, you may remember this story. But, yeah, I started college in computer engineering. Yeah. Right. I had a natural – I played video games as a kid. I, I thought that was interesting. I liked math. I don't know. And uh, I ended up leaving college under whatever circumstance. I wasn't very good at college, <laughs> it turns out. You were asked. I was asked to leave. Uh, they suggested I pursue my career elsewhere or education elsewhere, and I ended up joining the Army and actually became a translator and served You joined years. the Army. Th- th- let's make sure everyone understands. You, you joined the Army not as an officer. No, was, uh, no, absolutely. I was, I was actually at e, uh, E1. I was a private, not even a private first class. I didn't have enough college to qualify to jump ahead to private first class. I was like a buck private, like absolutely. And, uh, and it was great. It was it was what I I benefited enormously from the experience. Okay, so just just to, so we just so everybody who's listening, we can have this picture. The path to becoming a CIO <laughs> is to drop out of college and become an E1, right. enter the army as an E1. <laughs> I, I, yeah, maybe. I, so, I mean, it, obviously this has informed my perspective on things. And I have a lot of energy and passion for all of these non-traditional, non-linear paths because I followed that non-linear, non-traditional path. Right. And so I know, and I'm not saying I am not recommending to anyone, especially my children if they're listening, do not drop out of college and try this path. But what I learned from it, what I learned from it is opportunity doesn't always look like what you think it's going to look like. Yeah. So let's, so this is the part that I love about your story. And I think, you know, I have some of this too. and, And I know people that I meet who are extraordinary at what they do. 
or exceptional, they've reached some sort of level of exceptionality in the work that they do, they, they always sort of like, there's some point in their life where they had something happen that looked like catastrophe. Oh, yeah. yeah they lost their job. They lost, yeah. they, they uh, you know, blew up their marriage. Like something happened where you're just like, oh, wow, that's really hard. And... And it was like I'm not trying to say like I'm right, sure the right, time right. that you like were joining the army that I'm sure you weren't like this is going to be my path to <laughs> becoming a CIO like we don't know how these things are going to work out but but the willingness to lean in and be curious and what I would say is like like uh, explore explore your truth. Like, like, what is my truth? I don't know if that language makes sense, yeah. but like this idea of like, like, am I following? It gets a little cheesy to say following my heart, but like, am I following the truth within me? Well, right, or am was, I chasing some truth out there? I mean, this was your story, yeah. right? Where you know, you you had a plan, right? As a teacher, as an educator, you had thought. I, think well, I had a plan before that, right? So, like, before I was going to become a teacher, yeah. I was going to become a Hollywood actor. Like, I was going to become a famous actor. That was like, <laughs> that was my like dream, was to do that. And uh, you know, it's a funny thing when you when you tell people, like your family, like your parents, like this is my dream. You know, they will, um, they will, like, you know, uh, out of probably fear, out of like you know something, they'll they'll just basically tell you how incredibly stupid you are <laughs> to have that as a as as a, a path. And so I kind of like danced around, like I thought maybe that was something I wanted to do, and I kind of played at the edges of it and toyed with the idea. And at the end of the day, being a teacher was like the only thing I felt like I could do, make a steady paycheck, and be as close to the theater as I could. Mm. But at some point during that, and, and again, you've shared the story in a previous episode, but at some point during that, you were challenged and challenged yourself. I remember the why not story. Like, yeah. why, why, you know, if you don't yeah. love being an educator, if you have other ideas, have you ever thought about pursuing it? Why wouldn't you do that? And you trusted yourself enough to ask yourself that question and say, you know what, maybe I, I, maybe I, I can be open to something that's not... Yeah, this. I think I think a good you know a good way to think about it is like I mean I th- this was really out of character because I stepped away. I mean mm. usually I have to be shoved through a doorway. Like I I have some like a truck has to push me through that doorway because I I don't like change. I don't like being uncomfortable and but this particular moment I was internally being harassed. Mm. Like my 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 nervous system um, you know, I was in my 30s. I was depressed. I wasn't sleeping. I was having like massive night sweats. I was feeling anxious all the time, and I was miserable. And like weirdly, I loved like the work that I was doing. I loved the kids. Yeah. I loved yeah. like there was nothing about my job that I could point to and be like, "This is really a problem," except for the fact that it felt too small. It felt too limiting. Mm. Right? It felt like I wasn't doing the right. It felt like you know what it felt like. It felt like I was, I wasn't following my calling. It felt like I wasn't. I don't know if I can use that language here, but like, yeah, I felt absolutely. like I wasn't following my calling. Like I was kind of pretending. Yeah. And, and I, I looked at that career and I said, I could do this for another thirty years. Yeah. Easily. And I, there's I, nothing I, wrong with that. No. But I was like, I saw that the next thirty. I saw exactly what it was going to look like, and then I was like, oh. I could do this other, I could take this right turn 
at this crossroads, mm-hmm. and I have no idea. I had no idea what was down that path. Oh, so scary! Right? Yeah. It was like I could I could follow the path that's going up to the thirty, you know, the the re- retirement at sixty eight, yeah. or I could like go in this path and I it's a dark woods and I have no idea what's in there. Yeah. And I'm so glad I took that path. Yeah. But it was scary, Ken. It was super scary. And I want to be clear, like I've had other moments where I've taken these risks and it hadn't always worked out. The way at least not the way that I thought or hoped or wanted it to. So there's a just, reason just, why. Just see if you can like articulate what you mean by your expectations of what it should have done and whether or not in reflection did it work out. You know, I mean, it's, so I'll say this, you know, I think I've been fortunate that I look back and, and every step has led me to where I am today. Exactly, right? Right. Even the ones that sucked. Yes. <laughs> every step led me to where I am today and I'm, I'm very, I feel very fortunate for that and I've had lots of great opportunities, even the ones that sucked. Yes. And I've certainly had opportunities that sucked. You know, I joined a small startup. It ended up shutting its doors. That whole thing was scary and sucked. Yeah. Right? You know, they don't all work out, right? No. But then you look back and you, you, you accumulate that experience. You think, okay, what did I do with that? Well, actually, when I worked for that software startup that ended up shutting its doors, the next job I went to was a life sciences company, and that was the first pharma company I'd ever worked for. And I've worked in life sciences and healthcare ever since. Right. And so I look at that and go, well, that actually worked out for me in the end in a way that I didn't expect. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm. That's what we're trying to get at. Is yeah. like, first of all, uh, whatever you think is happening and whatever you think it means, you're probably wrong. Right. Like in the moment. Like in the moment. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think th- some some things I thought were like the worst things that possible happening to me, and they ended up being the best things that happened to me. And there are some things I thought like, oh, this is it. This is my answer. This to is all- great. This is the answer to all my problems right here. <laughs> and then it, it ended up being like just a little, you know, a little blip. Like yeah. it wasn't like a thing yeah. that changed my life. And I think that being open yeah. to the possibility that this may be guiding you somewhere. Right. This. There's, there's, um, do you ever read the book, The Alchemist? Oh, yeah. I, I was, so I'm just like rereading that book mm-hmm. now. And I'm thinking about Paul Coelho was so amazing at capturing something that's very hard to explain. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked to somebody last night over dinner and he was talking about this moment in his life where he was, you know, a young, he was an 18 year old man. He was flying back with his with his uh, mother he was here he was supposed to go to chicago he was like at a connecting plane you know connecting flight and his mother started a conversation with somebody who said he should go to new jersey and like she his mother like changed the flight and like took him to new jersey and like his whole life changed hmm. in that moment and like everything he's become has happened you know kind of like stretched from that like weird you know, that weird crossroads where he had in his mind he was going to Chicago and ended up he had this whole life ahead of him in New Jersey. We don't know. Right. We don't know what these things mean. And if we can be a little more open to the possibility that there are tre- there's treasure out there and we may not know the map, right? Yeah, I, don't, I have a couple of things I want to say to that. I love that story. I love The Alchemist. And I've always said, like, one of the things is I've always said is I, I have very few natural talents. Very few natural. Mm. I wish I was a talented musician. I am not naturally talented. Mm. I work at it. Mm. I'm slightly better than I was five years ago. But, you know, uh, I play with more enthusiasm than skill. Um, but if I, if I have one natural talent, maybe, maybe, 
It's that when the dumb luck fairy is whacking me on the head with her pay attention stick, oh, okay, I'm going to pay attention. And I think that just comes back to that that openness concept right. of like, oh, wow, there's a possibility I'd never considered before. That creates these paths and these opportunities that are more interesting. Yeah. You know, you talked about the fact that you could see your next 30 years, you know, but you found a more interesting path because you were open to thinking differently. I was open and and Ken, like your point about the dumb luck fairy, like, <laughs> like I, you, we have to pay attention to our hearts. Like my heart was just in was sick. It was just sick. It was saying like this is not working for us. Yeah. Yes, this is safer. This is safer. But like what I felt was like I was gonna. I mean, not to be dramatic, but I felt like I was gonna die of a heart attack by like my <laughs> time I was fifty. Like I, the way I was going, the stress I was under. It was not good. Well, let me, for our listeners, let me tell you one of the hardest truths about this, too. Nobody else can do it for you. No, and no one can tell you. No one can can tell tell you. you. This is one of the things that I I coach and I I advise. And I have had some wonderful mentors over the years who, and I know you have as well, who have been sounding boards, who I can bounce ideas off of, who I can talk about the hard stuff and the stuff I'm worried about and give me their perspective and advice. But I, there's nobody that's actually mapped out my career for me. Right. Nobody. Um, you know, even even the closest to me, I love your story about your parents. I mean, my stepfather would tell me who I'm very close to and I love very much, but he's like, you're an idiot. Like, you know, the things, like right. I failed out of college, I joined the army, I, you know, I'm gonna go work for an IT comp- software company in San Francisco. Like, none of that makes sense on paper. Right. Right. And, and again, not advising anybody to follow that path, but the, the voice I had to listen to was my own. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The voice I had to listen to was like, what, what would happen if I did that? Yeah. Right. What would happen if I did that? And how could I do that? And, and, and as a leader, you know, coaching people to say like, have you ever considered, had a, a wonderful uh, person I've worked with for many, many, many years. And she wants to join the C-suite, right? Has followed the traditional path for a long time. Went and got her MBA. And I said, how about you don't work in IT for a while and you actually go work in operations and running part of this business? And that was super scary. Yeah. Because she hadn't considered a different path. Yeah. And But I said, but you're getting an MBA. How about you actually apply the MBA? Rather than trying to translate that through technology, how about we actually create a different opportunity for you? Right. And it took a little convincing, but thriving. Yeah. Absolutely yes. thrive right. with that step. Right. So many times I see that when we when we open ourselves to those opportunities to do something, you know, tangential, ancillary, kind of on the side path to it, we create a whole brand new path that we'd never considered before. It, it's 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 so funny. Like you're not gonna get I mean, this is the part I have to keep reminding myself. I so I come up to I told you this like concept of the door and the threshold right like I come up to the door I come up to the threshold and I want to know hmm. what's on the other side right am I going to be okay is am I going to be safe and the answer is yeah better than ever hmm. and I will still stand at that doorway <laughs> and <I'll, laughs> and this is where the concept you know it, it, you've you've heard me talk about this a lot you know in the book and stuff it, it's the end of the wolf concept is the idea that like there's something guarding that door for me there's something getting in the way i have to like face 
some internal fear, some insecurity, some some belief I have, some story I have about myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about what I'm capable. And like I can't step through that doorway. Like I couldn't leave teaching until I could accept the fact that that I was more than just what the life I had been living, that there was more to me, that I had something more to offer. And that that like that stepping into that more to offer, I had to let go of this like smallness that I had. This and it's not about teaching being small. This is about me mm. feeling mm. small in teaching. I people could step into teaching and be really big and, and amazing. Like they've done amazing things. I was small. Yeah. Right. And and what does it take? to step through that threshold? What does it take to step through that doorway when you don't know? Well, you, I mean, you just described, you have the same process I do. I just I just put it on the calendar, right? <laughs> so I have a calendar process because otherwise I won't do it. But that's the same process I went through is, okay, I have this aspiration to, to do more, whatever right. it is. And that's right. what you were describing. And, and again, and I love teachers and teaching and was part of Educate Maine and, you know, kind of a lot of things there. So... It wasn't about that. It was, and it wasn't about what I was doing. You know, I had this great job. I was a director at 35 of a global international team of hundreds of people. I had a great job, but I had this other thing I wanted to do. And I had to examine myself and say, what is it about my current path that is not advancing that? Yeah, so the so just to kind of, I mean, in, in Alchemist, he talks about as your personal treasure I think in psychology, they talked this about like the Maslow's theory of self-realization, right? So this mm-hmm. idea of like, you know, w- like I want to, I want to realize, I want to become who I am, mm-hmm. and and that only happens when we step into these places that we don't know. Right. Like if you only do the things that you know, right? And this is I've seen people they go their whole life, right, doing just what they know, and it's very comfortable. It's very it's, it's very predictable, right? Yeah. And safe. and and safe, right? And you get that, yeah. You get that safety, but 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 you don't get a lot of. You don't get to discover things about yourself. You only get to know what you know, right? That makes sense. Absolutely, and I think this is this is what. And again, this is you know a podcast for leaders, aspiring leaders, growing leaders, emerging leaders. This is the thing about leadership is, and and I touched on it in an earlier episode is. I think this is a challenge to ourselves. Yeah. And I think this is a challenge to our teams. Right. Is how do you how do you make sure that you're growing? Yeah. In a way that's fulfilling and you achieve those ambitions and you make an impact, the impact that you want, right? So, and then how do you set that up for your team? And and I think and I think in this and your colleagues. It, yeah. In in this for those of you who are listening who are wondering like what what's the plan like how do i do this start with just what do you want yeah not not what do you want to buy or what title you want those things are like they're they're a little capricious right they're yeah. like they're not super predictable and and by the way you become a director you become a senior director you become a vp you become a senior mm-hmm. vp it's not going to be what you think, right? <laughs> it's not going to be what you think. You're not going to get the title, and all of a sudden you're going to be confident, and right. people are going to treat you. You know, yes, you get the key to the executive bathroom, whatever. But like you, sometimes, but like, it's not like a, a a bomb for all your insecurities and all your you know self doubt. Right. However, 
ask yourself, what do you, what does your heart want? Yeah. What does your heart want? And in that is real information. It is. And I think this is the this is the coaching that I so often again give. And and I said, you know, uh, and I know I, I'm I'm saying a little bit of contradictory thing here, but I said like nobody else is going to do this for you, right? But as a leader, you can help others have that conversation. Make the space, make the space for them to have that right. conversation. And you can be open to, and this is this can be uncomfortable for leaders too. You can right. be open when somebody says, "Well, you know, I'm in IT now, but I really want to go over and be in marketing." Yeah. You know, right. could go the other way. Right. And that can be uncomfortable because you'd be like, well, wait, I have, but I have needs that I need you to do. I need you to do this thing. But once you do that, it creates this, this network of growth and this, this opportunity for connection. And, you know, I look at that and I'm always, I'm thrilled when I see that kind of thing because I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now you're in marketing, but you understand my world. And now we can yeah. actually work differently together. Yeah, and I and I lo- okay. So then let's talk about a little bit about your team, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to mix in in every team. You want to mix between people who just like I don't know. They just like sweeping the floor. They just like doing their job. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's if you if you if you're a systems analyst and you like doing systems anal- analysis, like great. Right, that that's all you want to do. You're not like looking to be a C-suite, whatever. That's fine. But it's nice. When you have some people on your team who are chomping at the bit, yeah, you want people with ambition because they're going to also drive you to be thinking creatively about, okay, you want to take that over? Okay, you want to like, let's delegate that to you. Like, you go ahead. You run with that. Well, I've talked about the fact that I have very deliberate um, – I, I use that word a lot, but I am really, yeah, really you deliberate are. about very int- intentional. Right? Very intentional. Uh, metrics around diversity on the team. Yeah. And we, of course, we measure that in multiple dimensions. We've talked about gender diversity. I mean, we have a very particular challenge in the technology field and STEM fields that I think we all have a responsibility to address. That's one. Another is about ethnic and geographic background, people that have grown up and lived in different parts of the world. Right. You know, half of my leadership team has lived outside the U.S. That's right. intentional, again. A third area that I'm really intentional about is diversity of uh, industry experience. Yes. As an example. Yes. And why do I care about that so much? Well, you know what? It turns out hospitality and transportation services, they've solved certain things like loyalty programs um, and other kinds of things that they're really good at the customer experience. Uh, what about like, you know, uh, grocery chains? They've solved certain things yeah. like logistics problems yeah. and getting toilet paper on the shelves, right. you know, where they need to be in 158 different places. You know, um, fast-moving consumer goods have solved certain things. Healthcare has solved certain things. And when you bring that diversity of experience together across the team, and again, marketing has a different perspective, operations has a different perspective, supply chain, you know, technology. When you bring those minds together and those experience together, you're going to come up with better solutions. And so we're really yeah. intentional about actually looking at the candidates that we're bringing in the pipeline to say, are we balancing so good. that experience? It's so good because you're taking, and, and, and as we wrap up, let's just sort of think about this. Like, we're taking things that people might see as their weaknesses. Actually, I'm just gonna name it. Like, the HR hiring world tends to see these as weaknesses. Yeah. Oh, you were in grocery, you weren't in human health services, or right. you weren't in the health services, so you can't really understand what we're doing. And you're saying, no, 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 I actually, I'm curious about that. Like, they might know something. and. 
and they may have something to bring. And I, I'll give you an example of this from my own story. I, I used to tell this story about how I got into teaching. And I used to tell this story all the time. And it was always like, kind of like I fell into it. Mm. Like I kind of, like I had to go into the back door. Like I couldn't, I, I didn't, I was, didn't have a teaching degree. I didn't like do the things you're supposed to do. I kind of, you know, I showed up at a private school with like a, my resume and like a sports coat that was two <laughs> sizes too small. And I was like, hey, I'd like to apply for the English teacher. You know, and and I told, used to tell that story like it was a weakness of mine. And I have a friend, a very good friend of mine, who is also a teacher, and he went through the front door. I mean, he just did all the things you're supposed mm. to do. And I told that story to him, and he's like, that's not a story of your failure. He said, I could never have done that. Mm. He said, you, you, like, you were able to find a way through your own excellence to get into the door and actually be successful. He said, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, you brought it this is. whole perspective. And I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, what a gift to take, to take, and this is what you just did. If you, if you are coming into applying for a job with IT and you're like, look, if you have different experiences from what we're hiring for, that might not actually be really helpful for us. And that might not be a detriment. See the choices, see the winding road, yeah. see the weird places you, the weird, you know, woods or cornfields you ended up in, see them as like a positive rather than as some sort of detriment of some sort of weakness. Yeah, I think this is, I, 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 I'm, uh, I always use this phrase with my team where we're not hiring for fit. Yeah. We're hiring to compliment. Yes. Yes. If you hire for fit, you're going to get somebody that looks just like you. Right. Right. And if you do that, you're not opening yourself up to somebody that can add to the mix. And I think that's the piece is just this whole being open, both as our individual selves. It's like being open to these new opportunities and also to challenge our own teams and organizations to think differently. I love your story, though, because and we, I know we've I've really enjoyed the conversation, as always. Um, looking ahead to our next episode, we're going to talk about this discomfort zone. Yeah. We're going to talk yeah. about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm. which is... Again, a very subversive thing to do, oh, right? This is yeah. a very, very challenging thing. And actually, the, the really subversive part is helping your organization get uncomfortable yes. in the discomfort zone. Yes. Like, how do you do that? Right. How do you operate with less than full information? How do you make these choices in the, the gray zone, this space about, you know, I'm going to take a risk on this marketing person or this non-teaching credential person right. or this, you know, right. I think because I think there's these other skills that are going to add to this situation or this team or this organization. So I can't wait. Can't, can't wait. wait. Um, as always, it's a pleasure, Seth. I know that, um, again, for our listeners, you can find out lots more. You can find all of our previous. If you are the first-time listener, you want to go back and listen to all these episodes we've referenced at uh, www.itsnotpersonal.net. All the W's, it's not personal.net. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, all the places you get it. Uh, also, SethRigoletti.com. There's more information. You mentioned right. you're into the Wolf book, which I it's never been closer. I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm super I'm excited. excited about it. Lots of great stuff coming out. I know um, I look forward to our next conversation as always. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, if you want to leave comments, uh, send us feedback. Please. We love it. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your ideas and your responses to the conversation. Yep. See you next time. Thanks so much, Seth. Thanks.